Father, we just want to thank you. We praise you, we worship you, Father, for this morning. Lord, even as we, uh, Father, uh, are going to meditate upon your word this morning, speak to our hearts. Father, enable us, Lord, to understand the intent behind every word that you speak to us. To know your heart, to know your mind, and also, Lord, Father, grant us the grace to obey you, even in the littlest of things. To that end, I pray that you would anoint the speaking and the hearing of today's word. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory for in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time we were uh, looking at uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. And we'll look at another passage, 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. <clears throat> it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our, our faith. So we looked at faith that overcomes the world. And we looked at uh, four examples uh, from the Old Covenant. We looked at Enoch who overcame the progressive thought of the world. Yeah, um, yes. So Enoch who overcame the progressive thought, so-called, of the world. And then uh, we had uh, Noah who overcame the corruption that was in the world. And then we looked at Abraham who overcame the idolatry that was in the world. And uh, we had uh, Sarah who overcame the fashions of the world. So we looked at four examples. And today we'll look at another aspect. Uh, if you turn with me to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 and 16. 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 and 16. So how do we overcome the world? There's another person there. I mean, uh, aspect, a spiritual aspect which has to be uh, put to death, that is the flesh, we know. Let, let's read that and uh, put uh, today's teaching in perspective. So today is going to be teaching, so just let us follow line upon line. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and he speaks about the three aspects, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So that is the most important person that has to be put to death is the flesh, the lust of the flesh. And therefore Paul says in um, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, we know this verse very well, but we will try to understand uh, what it actually truly uh, means in, 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 in more detail in different contexts. Uh, it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, or lives in me. Um, Dr. Richard knows the translation too. And I'm smiling because both of us, when we do the uh, the, <laughs> the presentation, we know which translation to go to. <clears throat> Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So uh, there is a place for the I in the Christian life, that I is in Christ, alright? There's no other place. Uh, and therefore he says uh, that I has to be crucified first. Alright, so so how, see, when, when we talk about the flesh, um, um, new life, if you look at again another place, Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. Romans chapter 13, verse 13 and 14. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, 
but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So how do you um, make no provision for the flesh? You put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you do not make any provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts or its desires. So uh, how do we overcome the world? By putting to death the lusts of the flesh. Everything of uh, in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, right? So how do you do that? You put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, uh, these two verses are the, are the verses which cause the conversion of uh, St. Augustine, yeah? Tolelege, right? Remember? So he was walking on the streets and uh, his children was, were... Uh, um, playing on the in the garden and they were saying tola lege tola lege which means pick up and read pick up and read and then he and he said what should i read and the and there was he found a copy of uh, a piece of paper or something like that and when he picked up and read it was romans chapter 13 verse 13 and 14 which said put on the lord jesus christ and make no no provision for the flesh and, and he says let us not let us walk properly as in the day and not in revelry and drunkenness the guy was given over to a very reprobate lifestyle but this is what his conversion story was. These two verses were responsible for the conversion of Augustine. And by the way, Romans has a rich history, okay? These two were the verses which which caused Augustine to get converted. And, you know, the Reformation started with uh, Martin Luther looking at Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God. And that started off the Reformation, right? So he says, how do we overcome the flesh? You put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And and we know again uh, how we do it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 uh, to 24. We'll just look at a few verses which are completely aware. We know these verses very well. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to, to deceitful lusts. Okay, So the old man is only getting corrupt and corrupt day by day. Okay. And then he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind or the attitude of your mind, other translations will say, and that you put on the new man that was created according to God, created uh, to, according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So this is essentially what we have to do. And we, and he explains in the book of Ephesians, he explains the episode of Ephesians, he explains as to how we do that in different, in, in practical ways. Now, the point here is this, when we talk about the flesh, we are aware of all the bad things. I mean, we know, at least we know it in our own selves. For example, when we talk about Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 onwards, we know this verse very well. It says, the works of the flesh are evident, it says, are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Okay, so he says, and uh, which of which I tell you beforehand, just uh, as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we are aware of adulteries, we are aware of fornication, lewdness. Some, some there's, there's definitely an, an awareness even in our own heart when we talk about uh, this side of the flesh. But when Adam and Eve fell, they ate from the true uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as we've been taught. There was also there's a good side of the flesh and there's an evil side of the flesh. And the more subtle and a deceptive thing is the good side. And that is something which is very difficult to uh, discern. And that has to be dealt with. And if that is dealt with, the other things also become more easy. Okay, so uh, this is the, the difficult side is to identify what is a good in the flesh and to put, put that fellow to death. 
for example let me show you one verse very again a very popular verse 1 corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 this is what it says okay for you see your calling brothers that not many wise according to the flesh that means there is wisdom in the flesh yeah not many mighty that means there is strength in the flesh not many noble that means there is nobility in the flesh. So a lot of people do a lot of noble acts. Philanthropy, for example. Uh, fighting for causes, etc. Okay. So there are a lot of nobility. There's a noble aspect of the flesh. There's a wisdom of the flesh. There are many mighty deeds of the flesh. Uh, and they're not ostensibly bad. If you look at, uh, when you, we don't compare, when you compare to, when you compare it, say, fighting for the cause of the poor and feeding the poor, for example, uh, against uh, fornication, adultery. This looks good, right? But the, I, but the, but the the subtle thing is the good aspect, and that has to be dealt with. I remember Art Cads in one of his uh, teachings talks about an uh, talks talks about an incident in his life, uh, where he, after he preaches a word, uh, he goes along with the members of the congregation, the pastor and his wife and a few elders of the church, to the local restaurant to have the food, uh, to have a meal after the service is over. So. Uh, when they're uh, sitting around the, across the table, they finish the meal, and now the time is to pay the bill. So when the, the t- when the time was there to pay the bill, so the bill comes, the the waiter brings the bill, and he puts it on the table, and he leaves. And one of the sisters, um, she just takes the check, and she involuntarily begins to put the money. And before she puts the money, I asks the sister, she says, sister, you know, why are you paying the bill? Did God ask you to do that? She gets a little shocked and um, she doesn't know what to do. Uh, well, no, but I thought it was a good thing to do. And he says, see, uh, you have to be very sure. I mean, he's just giving an example. Maybe it's a good thing. for The example is this. Did God really ask you to do whatever you're saying or whatever you're doing? Was because it's, it's a, are you just doing it because it's a good thing? Do you feel that it's a good thing to do? Or are you being really being led by the spirit to pay the bill? Okay. So th- this is a very subtle thing, right? Uh, so the good aspect of the flesh is something which is uh, very, very subtle. And that is something which has to be identified and has to be dealt with. So uh, because because we, we cannot neglect uh, these things because we are aware, as I said, about uh, the, uh, the, the wretched aspects of the flesh. But we are not so aware of the good side of the flesh and that is something which has to be dealt with and once you deal with that I believe the other side also becomes easier because in the good side of the flesh there is something called the ego which gets satisfied and that is something which has to be dealt with you see we'll come to that in a while why is this important we know these verses again very well in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5 it says very interesting 5 onwards 5 to 9 5 to 7 is enough Thus says the Lord, cursed is man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. And then he says, make, he qualifies what, what that is, whose heart departs from the Lord. So you can do a lot of things in the flesh, but God is absolutely not there in whatever you're doing. Right? And then he says, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. Because he's doing what is, what he thinks is good. When actually the good is coming, he's not able to identify that. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. And blessed is the man who put his, puts, puts his trust in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. So, how do we identify this? How do we identify? The Bible helps us very clearly in one place. 
where Paul himself talks about this and he identifies seven areas and we can look at the spiritual meaning of each of those things to identify the good side and put to death okay, uh, those aspects in our life. So let us turn to again Philippians chapter 3 and let's read from verse 1 to 7. That is today's text. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you, to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Okay, thank you so much. Okay. So, so many <laughs> at times we are listening to a lot of same things. And, and Paul says, it is good. Okay. It is a repetition which makes things permanent in our lives. Okay. We might be hearing a lot of things over and over again in from different angles. Okay. But it has to be read. It is what? It is safe. You want to be safe? Okay. So don't ever listen to a message only once, in other words. Okay. Think about it. Meditate upon it. Okay. That is humility, actually. Okay. Uh, even when you're listening to a, a sermon which, uh, which captivates your heart, okay, on when you're, when you're, when you really ministers to you, when you uh, listen to it online. Okay. Don't just listen to it once. Okay. Listen to it at least two or three times and you will really, really understand the depths of it. Okay. And becomes, uh, you become, I mean, this a safeguard when you listen to it at least twice. Okay. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of mutilation. Now look at this. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, no, look at this. Now, when he's talking about the flesh, he's going to identify some of the good, good aspects of the flesh. Okay. And though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he have, he, uh, he may, he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Okay. And then he qualifies what that is. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day. Um, I was a stock of Israel. I, I like that. Which stock? The stock of Israel, not an ordinary person. I was of the tribe of Benjamin, that is the third one. I was the Hebrew of all Hebrews, that is fourth. In regard uh, concerning the law, a, a Pharisee, that is a fifth. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, sixth. And concerning the righteousness which is of the law, what is that? Blameless. There are seven good things here. In other words, in the flesh is a complete man. Okay, he's a complete fellow in as far as the flesh is concerned. And he says, these seven things I have to put to death in my life. And these are not very easy to identify. These are the more subtle aspects of the flesh. When you talk about adultery, fornication, those are very, very obvious. Lust, lust, if you lust after a woman in your heart, even in your eyes, you have already committed. We already we know it very, very well. I mean, Okay, this, these are things which are which we are very well aware of. But on the other side, there are certain things which we are not aware of. So he says, he says, I'm circumcised on the eighth day, but I don't put confidence in that. What does it mean? Therefore, he in the same passage, you don't have to search. Uh, you know, it's like you know what we call as uh, the principle of arcing. Okay, what is arcing? You look at a verse and you draw concentric circles around the verse to identify in the context how you particularly apply a particular verse or a word. In this context, for example, what is circumcision, right? He defines what circumcision is in the same place in verse number uh, 3. For Philippians chapter 3 verse 3, he says, For we are the circumcision 
who worship God in the spirit. Okay, and he says, second thing he says, we have, uh, we are the people who rejoice in Christ Jesus. Other translations will use the word, we boast in Christ Jesus. Another translations will use the word, we exult in Christ Jesus. And the third, and have no confidence in the flesh. Okay, so what is that? What is circumcision? We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. So the first thing that, or, or, or serve God, other translations, NIV uses the word serve, which is, I think, a much more uh, closer translation. It doesn't matter, don't have to go there. So who, who are these people? These are the people who worship God. How? In the spirit. We know that from John's Gospel chapter 4. Jesus says, God is looking for worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So what is the first thing? There are three aspects particularly, specifically in as far as this is concerned. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 15, this is what it says. For in Christ Jesus, for in Christ Jesus, okay, we can go there. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. So the first thing is that, in other words, for a person to understand what what true and genuine circumcision is, he has to become a new creation. For any man, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are born, uh, old things are passed away and behold, everything has become new. He has to become new. He has to be born again. So whatever teaching has been done, one of the things you will understand, you'll realize that this teaching will not be applicable to those people who are not born again, of course. So the first thing, you have to be born again as as Jesus exhorts and uh, tells uh, uh, Nicodemus, unless you are born again or born of the spirit, you will not be able to see the kingdom of God. So therefore, first thing and always no these are things that we have to always emphasize um, to ourselves and also to the people who are not aware because a lot of people in the church are not truly born again because okay it says in james chapter 1 verse 18 we know this very well james chapter 1 verse 18 okay of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of the first fruits of his creatures and what is the first fruits of his creature jesus and we have to be that kind. <laughs> That's what it means. Okay. So we have to be the Jesus kind. Right. He brought, for, brought us forth by his, the word of truth that we might be a kind of the first fruits of his creatures. So therefore, being born again is that, is directly proportional to the, uh, I mean, genuine born again experience is proportional to what you actually have heard. You've heard the word of truth. Okay. Now, there are two kinds of Deafness people talk about in at least at least in uh, at least in uh, in medical terms. A lot of people who are deaf. What happens? They are people who can hear sounds. For example, if I make a sound like this, the moment I say this, they are able to hear. Okay, when they go out, when they hear the birds chirping, they can hear the chirping of the birds. They can hear sounds, but the moment you speak language, they can't hear. They are deaf to language, but not deaf to sound. Okay, that's what medical doctors say. Okay. They're deaf to language, but they are not deaf to sound. Okay. So a lot of people are actually deaf to the language because the kingdom of God has got a different language in itself. And unless and until you are born again in the kingdom of God, you will not understand the language of the kingdom of God. Okay. You're deaf. That, that's the reason why the blind see. The deaf here, the lame men are walking. 
Go and tell John. The blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing. Why? A lot of us are deaf. Not because we are not deaf to sound, we are deaf to the word. Therefore, the, the Lord has to open our ears to hear His word. And unless that ear has been opened, we are not truly genuinely born again. You understand that? So therefore, this is very, very important for us to realize. Of His own free will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first creatures to His, uh, first fruits of His creation, of His, of His creation. The new creation, therefore, um, is important. Okay? Alright? Mm, very important. So how do we know? One of the ways that we know that we are a new creation, he says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word of God. Therefore, there's a, there's definitely an insatiable appetite for the word of God, especially when you're born again. You are reading the word over and over and over again. You love the word. Gen- genuinely, you have this, you have developed this taste buds for the word of God. Okay, fine. Second, because we're talking about worshipping, it says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, look at that. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love, or other translations you will use the word, expressing itself through love. Okay. Therefore, therefore, what is genuine worship? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So what is genuine worship? It is faith being expressed through love. It is faith being expressed through love. Okay, in your worship especially. That is the reason why it says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4, we know this verse very well. Okay, we'll look at it once again. By faith, Abel offered a more Excellent sacrifice than Cain. This is remarkable, okay? He offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So in order to understand, how do you qualify something which is more excellent? Right. Okay. How do you know that something which is more excellent, how do you compare? Only, Of course, only God knows. God sees the heart, of course we know it. God looked at Abel and his offering. God looked at Cain and his offering. You see, if you turn with me, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 41 and 41 to 43, this is how we qualify. We know it, okay? Uh, that is, this year we are offering a more excellent sacrifice. Now, there was a creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Okay, and verse 42. And when they had nothing which to with, with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him? That is the word, more excellent. The person who loves, that means the person who understands, the person who really, truly, genuinely understands that he was forgiven more than others. Very difficult for people who are righteous in their own eyes, right? Okay. (laughs) That is the reason why when Isaiah says, I am a man of unclean lips first. And then I dwell among the people of unclean lips. First, where did he point the finger? Towards himself. That is how the offering becomes an offering of Because he realizes that my God, God, I am the wretched of all sinners. The chief of all sinners. Not, not everybody can say that. Okay, it's all lip service only. Genuinely, how, how many of us genuinely feel, Lord, I am the worst of all the sinners. Not many. 
Zakbunan said, you know, in one of his uh, testimonies, he said, very few times in my life, I genuinely felt that I was the worst of all sinners. And then I really heard truly, genuinely the voice of God. Now, guy like Zach Poonan has to say that. What about us? That is how, that is the reason why Abel, why? He said, Lord, what manner of love that the Father has shed abroad in our lives that we should be called the sons of God. How can we not worship God with this kind of a love? See, it's an expression of love. Faith being expressed through love. Okay, first thing. Okay. So he looked at, he said, Pharisee, oh sorry, Simon, do you look at this woman? You did not even give me the basic courtesy. That a, uh, that a, uh, a guest des- des- uh, uh, deserves. No, forget about a guest. I am the very son of God, the Messiah, the creator of this whole world. And you have not even realized this. You have not even given me the basic courtesy. But look at this woman. And that is the reason why many of us, our worship is not genuine simply because we have not realized how much we have, we have been forgiven. This is a revelation which is progressive. Okay. The, there's a, there's a work God does on the cross for us. There's a work that God does by the cross in us. That is a painful work. We have to come to a point where you say, I'm good for nothing. Then God says, fine. I, you're ready. That's exactly what happened to Moses. Brought to a point where he says, <laughs> I'm good for nothing. Okay. Look at this, another place. Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. Verses 1 to 4. Hmm? Can you just put it in the message? I love it in the message, okay? 1 to 4 in the message is killer, okay? Just then he looked up and saw the rich people dropping offerings in the collection plate. Okay? (laughs) This happens in the US and Canada, okay? There's a collection plate. There's no bag. There's a plate. So everybody knows how much you're putting. (laughs) Unless you're putting it in an envelope, Okay? Then he saw a poor widow put in two pennies. And then put two pennies is two cents. One penny is one cent. Okay. He said, the plain truth is this. Is that this widow has given far the largest offering today. By far the largest offering today. Why? Two pennies is the largest offering. All these others made offerings that they will never miss. Can you imagine that? So most of our lives, what we offer to God, we don't miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. Now when you say this kind of things, do you think people get, people take it well? No. The, The Pharisees and the disciples got offended. The disciples got seriously offended. So what happens? Next verse. Look at the next verse. In a message, okay. One day, people were standing around talking about the temple, remarking how beautiful it was, the splendor of the stonework and the memorial gifts. So in every temple, there will be memorial gifts. No? If you, especially if you go to mainland churches, in memory of. And where is it written? Behind the pew, not in front of the pew. So that you can see. You remember Albert's wedding? The hall full of names. Where? On the fans. <laughs> Every fan had a name. <laughs> and it was not the company. <laughs> it was the name of the person who donated. <laughs> you see? 
And he says, all this you are admiring so much. This time, the time is coming when every stone in that building will end up in a heap of rubble. You see, do we miss the offerings that we give to God? It's a question. That is what David has to say. He says, I will not give to God that which will cost me nothing. The best of your life belongs to whom? God. The best of your life. In your teenage years, when your energies are incredibly high, when your mind is incredibly sharp, the best of your life belongs where? To God. That is the reason why God had an indictment against the Jews who came back from Babylon building the temple. The last book was Malachi, right? It's written to whom? The Jews who came back. It's not the Jews who stayed back in Babylon. He said, these are the Jews who came back. And he says, you are offering to me that which is lame? That which is blind? That which is sick? Offer it to your governor. And you will he, will he accept? And you know what you are actually doing when you are offering me all those lame and the blind and the and the and the and the, and the sick? You are actually in your 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 you are blaspheming the sacrifice of, of my son because my, those sacrifices are essentially a picture of my son. Did I offer any that which is uh, sick on the cross? No, thirty three and a half years prime of my life. That is a prime of your life. Thirty three and a half years, the best years of your life, right? You are the best. Now, if you look at every cricket uh, sportsman, the best, especially uh, apart from those people who do sprint, the best prime of their life is when they are between 30 to 35. That is the prime of their lives. So you have gentlemen over here who are between 30 to 35. The prime of your life. When God offered him, spotless, sinless, blameless son of God was offered on the cross. God gave the best, not the best, his all. He emptied literally the bank balance of heaven to buy your, buy your trans, buy your, uh, buy your redemption and your, and your reconciliation back to him. And how dare you offer to God that which is sick and howling. That's what he says. That's an indictment. To whom these are the people who came back from Babylon to build a temple. And do you think they took it, took it well? It says these fellows even martyred somebody. One prophet was martyred between the porch and the altar. Zachariah, the son of Barakiah. Who was he prophesying to? The Jews in, who came out back from Babylon. They got offended. Right? So, very important therefore. Does it cost you? Will, will you miss the offerings that you give to God? Hmm? Yeah. That is the reason why when Mary Magdalene was giving her best, what waste they said. She just said, See, Christianity is not a social religion. The poor are always with you. Okay, You should tell people why they are poor. That is Christianity. Okay, Because poverty is essentially a symptom of a deeper malady. Why did you, why did you become poor? Because of something. God never intended. When you see the suffering in this world, you need to understand we were never intended. Like we keep get, getting the daily readings, right? And one of the readings, uh, I think recently we heard, uh, I think I was reading it. So it, it said, when we, when we go through suffering and persecution, it's incomprehensible, the word. 
incomprehensible doubt or something. I forget that word. If you remember the three things, no, incompre- uh, supernatural joy, supernatural joy, superhuman forgiveness, and incomprehensible something, right? So incomprehensible doubt. So you're you're completely doubting. Why am I in this position? God is teaching you that you are in this position because of sin. You are not meant to be this way. You are not meant to be this way. When God created Adam and Eve, for the, for the first thing he did to Adam and Eve, what did he do to Adam and Eve? After he created them? Bless them. First thing was blessing. He blessed them. God is a God who blesses. He wants to bless. Not for us to experience all this. Okay. So understand. So, it's not a social gospel. You give your best to God. Best to God. What is it? What is it? You give your best to God. You give... That which is from the top and not from the bottom. Understand that. Hmm? Sometimes we study 72 hours in the lab. How about studying the Bible 72 hours without sleeping? Is it possible? Jesus did it all night. We call it night outs for our, for the world. Jesus did night outs <laughs> for God. Okay. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 19. Okay. Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. So genuine worship is worship when you keep the commandments. Otherwise, it is pretense and not worship. Remember that? Indictment in Jeremiah chapter 7. You live the way you want to live. (laughs) <laughs> you commit adultery, you commit all kinds of things throughout the week and you come to the house of God and then you raise your hands and say, we are free to do whatever we want to do. Has my go- uh, uh, my house is, is supposed to be called the house of prayer and now it has become what? A den of robbers. Right? So, 1 John chapter 5 verse 2 to 3 will say something very interesting. 1 John chapter 5 verses 2 to 3. Okay. <clears throat> By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God, and keep his commandments. I like this very interesting. By this we know we love the children of God. How? When we love God and keep his commandments, you know how we love your neighbor? Especially the believer in the church? By keeping the commandments of God. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. If you can turn with Malachi chapter 3 verses 13 to 16 and you can put it in the message again. It's very interesting in the message, okay? God says, you have spoken hard, rude words to me. You ask, when did we ever do that? When you said, it doesn't pay to serve God. What do we ever get out, uh, what do we ever get out of it? When we did what he said and when, 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 uh, and went around with long faces, serious about God of the angel armies, what difference did it make? Meaning, in, a, in other words, what's the profit in doing all these things? What's the gain? <laughs> <laughs> I was listening. I was listening to this man of God in the morning. Okay, he was telling me. He was telling, he was telling an example of this uh, young man. Uh, he, he was going to visit this bank, um, and one guy cashed a check for, for close to about hundred thousand dollars. And uh, when he was going out, he dropped the bag and he left. So this young man, uh, he looked up. Uh, he found that purse, and he, when he opened the purse, he found. A stack of money, and then there was an address on that uh, on the in the bag. So he found the address and he gave to that guy. He went to the guy and he said, uh, "I found your wallet. 
so much of money. So that guy looked at it and he looked at, uh, oh, $100,000. He said, thank you so much. You're such an honest man. He gave him $1,000 as a gift. So this guy was furious, so angry. And he came and told his friends, look, this fellow, he had $100,000. I saved him $100,000 and he gave me $1,000. Next time, when I find the bag, what will I do? Will I give him back? No. See, why, why was he doing? He was expecting some reward. What is the whole point, purpose, point of doing the, uh, the, doing the right is? What did we gain out of all this? No, no, one of the constant <laughs> questions I used to, I asked God, what did I get, Lord, out of, out of all this? I go and, when I get frustrated, I go and tell Pastor, Pastor, what did I get out of all this? What's the whole purpose of following God? Luke has a very interesting answer to say to all of us who have those kinds of minds. Okay, <laughs> Luke's Gospel chapter 17, you know this verse very well, right? Verse 8 to 10. Okay. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterwards you will eat and drink? And then? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that was that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty. We were supposed to do this. I don't need to get a Nobel Prize for obeying your word. You're supposed to. See, we are supposed to obey. I told you, now, these days when we obey, we just put them in the pedestal and give them medals. Give them character certificates. <laughs> Fantastic. But that fellow is supposed to be like that. See, we, the, the abnormal has become the normal and the normal has become the abnormal. Right? Unprofitable servants. There's no gain. You're not looking for gain for God. He says, gain, lot of, in the last days people will come and then they say, gain is what? Godliness. That's what they say. Gain is godliness. If you're godly, you should gain. The problem is, when you are godly, you will lose. And in fact, he says, all those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus, ah, uh, complete, will suffer, not may. Will must suffer persecution. That is the that is the uh, the, the, the 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 proof that you are truly living a godly life. Okay, understand that. So three things to look at. First, new creation. Okay, we serve God willingly out of our heart, and therefore, if you turn with me to Romans chapter twelve. Verses 1 to 2, and let's go back to message. Like I like it again in message. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Okay. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. And walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what does what God does for you is the best thing you can do do for him. Offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is a reasonable act of worship is what uh, uh, Romans will say in actually the other translations. So this is a reasonable this is reasonable. You know, what is a reasonable amount Okay, that I can give for this? This is a reasonable. Offer your entire life. This is reasonable. This is reasonable. 
Because you are bought with a price, you are not your own, therefore do not become slaves of men, become slaves of God. This is simple. So how many of us really need a pat on our back because we are doing the right thing? If you are really, really become people who have no confidence in the flesh, we are so unconscious of the right things we do. You know that? We are absolutely unconscious. When we are doing, it happens, it's, it's become a part of our nature. We give without expecting anything back, like, like the Shunammite woman. Why? What an example that we, we've been look, meditating upon. Giving, expecting nothing back. Right? That is a superb uh, attitude that we need to have. Alright, let's go back to another place. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. Who are the circumcision? Who worship God in the spirit. Who rejoice in Christ Jesus. Other translations will use the word. Who boast in Christ Jesus. Meaning, have you seen some people after they, after, after they really genuinely born again. All that, that comes out of their mouth is God, 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 Jesus. He did this for me. He did this for me. He did this for me. And, and some, some mature believers get really irritated. Oh, God does this for me. God did this for me. Oh, God is so good. All they can do is... God, God, God. I remember uh, three, three, three uh, brothers we had in our church. We had Raj, we had, uh, sorry, not Eric, uh, Yash and uh, Evil. After they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they used to go left, right and center evangelizing everywhere. Okay. If they find a person in the bus alone, finish, that fellow had it. They would preach the gospel, <laughs> gospel to him, no? Find the fellow and preach the gospel. Full of zeal. God, 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 God. Their, their entire conversation is only God. God-saturated conversations. God-saturated talks. What God did for you. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. We know this verse very well, right? It becomes very less about you and more about him. Like John the Baptist, right? Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. So when they're talking to each other, God does this for me. God did this for me. When I, you know, when I read this passage in the Bible, this is what excited me. You know, this God spoke to me. I read this book. Boy, this is a fantastic book. Remember when you read a book and you get, you really get fired up. You're going and telling everybody, read this book, read this book, read this book. Hmm? We do it, do it with the movies also. Huh? You have to watch this movie, Macha. Okay. This should become a part of your bucket list. Before you kick the bucket, <laughs> you should watch this movie. <laughs> okay, that is how we become literally good news spreaders. Because our conversations become... That is the reason why he says, Whom having not seen... What do you do? You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory and till now I don't understand what that means. With joy inexpressible, you do not see him. You love him and you having not seen him, you love him. We saw him and we love him. But you, you do not see him and you love him and you are full of joy, joy inexpressible which is full of glory. What has happened to you? Minds have been opened up to the, to the gospel. And that's exactly what Paul tells. When you heard about the cross, what happened to you? You would have given your right eye to me. That kind of an attitude you had. 
Okay. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Why? For his sake. Your life and your conversations, everything is God saturated. You're boasting in God and not in yourself. Let me show you a beautiful passage in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Verse 24. This is after Nebuchadnezzar gets frustrated with all the magicians. <laughs> he gives them uh, yeah, not the ultimate. It is what we call as uh, appraisal. Uh, what is appraisal? Condition. Condition for appraisal. Tell me the dream and its interpretation. You will have promotion. Otherwise, <laughs> you will be cut into pieces and your houses will may be made into a dunghill. Kya baat hai? Professional development program. Very, very well, extremely well defined. Okay. So this is how professionally you'll be developed. Okay. I'm not going to send you for green belt certification and uh, what is that SAP certification? Nothing of that sort. Okay. You tell me the dream and its interpretation. We can't. You tell us the dream and we will tell you the interpretation. You know why? Because we have a book, you've got a book of dreams. Okay, we have people who are statistical and mathematical. You tell me the dreams because if so many people had these kinds of dreams, this is what the interpretation was, this is what happened in their life. So we will probabilistically, probabilistically and statistically with a, with some kind of a variance, we'll tell you what it, what could, what it could mean, but not what it actually means. And Nebuchadnezzar was fantastic. He said, I know the interpretation is right if you tell me the dream and then it's interpretation. Then I know. Then I know that you're genuine. That your turkeys can cut it, in other words. So, they are frustrated and he says, finish them off. And Daniel, of course, prays to God, etc. He asks for time. And then he goes to Ariok. So, there are two characters over here. Ariok and Daniel. So, let us read from verse 24 onwards. It's very interesting. Therefore, Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to them, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king and I will tell the king the interpretation. I will tell the king the interpretation. That is where I is. That's all. Then Arya quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found if the, the the construction in the Aramaic is fantastic, the grammatical construction in Aramaic is fantastic. The entire sentence centers around I have found. Do you search? No. This is called perfect plagiarism. Perfect plagiarism. Okay, you take credit for something which you did nothing. You did not go and search. Are you, did you know the dream? Can you tell the dream? Can you tell? You never did any search like that. Nothing. Some fellow came and told you the solution to the problem. What do you do? <laughs> hey, we did it. No, not I. We did it. No, you never say we. I did it. I have found the man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. Captives of Judah. And look at this. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Look at the emphasis on is on you. And then look at what. This is a classic of all, of all the answers. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare. But there is a... Oh, that is the point. That is the point. That is what we call as exulting in Christ Jesus. You are saturated with God in your life. Hmm? But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has been, not your stupid Ariok. He did nothing. 
He just came and did one. Uh, because see, ultimately those days, you have to be under the good books for the king. So to get a promotion, I have found, I have found. Please put it in your, in your uh, register. I, I have found, I have found, okay. How people are so insecure, right? I mean, tell you, I'm telling you, people who run after, you know, the approval of men and who want to hold an audience are people who are the most insecure on planet Earth. Okay. You, you can do whatever in your life. You can do gymnastics and do all kinds of show. You can become a comedian trying to arrest the audience. I'll tell you something. It will not last long. It is the anointing which will arrest audience and nothing else. So there was a guy who went to the psychiatrist and he said, uh, struggling with, with depression, thoughts of depression. And the uh, psychiatrist asked him a lot of questions. And he said, uh, okay, fine. I have a solution for your problem. He said, there's a local circus. You need a good laugh, he said. You need a good laugh. There's a local circus Go to the local circus and there's a comedian who's making people laugh and just go and watch him. You know what this guy said? <laughs> that comedian is me. That comedian is? What is he doing? Trying to do all kinds of gymnastics to hold an audience. But what about him? Completely, totally empty inside. That, that's what happens when you run after the approval of men. It leaves you empty and Jesus said, you already have your reward. You did not have me. You wanted that? That is vanity. It will never satisfy you. Me? <laughs> when, you have, when you have me, you will need nothing. Somebody, C.S. Lewis said, it's a fantastic statement. He said, the person who has God and everything and a person who has God and nothing are not different. Let me, let me repeat this to you. Ah, you understand the subtlety over here. The person who has God and everything and the person who has got God and nothing are, not, are absolutely not different. They're the same. Okay. Because what you have doesn't define who you are. That is the reason why we exult in Christ Jesus. Oh, why have we been born again? What is the reason that God uh, caused us to be born again, gave us new birth, he redeemed us. What was the reason for us to be redeemed? If you turn with me to First Peter chapter 2, First Peter chapter 2, verse 10, if I'm right, oh. uh, no, verse 9 and 10, verses 9 and 10. If you put it, can, can you put it in the ESV if you don't mind? ESV? But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may, ah, I love that, proclaim the excellencies of, ah, of him, of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's exactly the reason why. The, it says, says, what repentance rots is something very interesting. It says, what apologia it rots, it rots in you. What is that word, apologia? It is, you are giving a reason to people for the hope that is there inside of you. And who is the first apologist in the Bible, according to me? Not the famous apologists of this world who are on YouTube. Is according to me, is the woman from Samaria. Come and see the man who told me everything that I ever did. Kya baat hai? 
That is proclaiming the excellency. Should this person not be the Messiah? Understand. Therefore, our life, if it is not filled with praise, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15, in the ESV again, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15, okay, look at this, very familiar verses. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Why is it a sacrifice? Why is praise a sacrifice? Because it's not about you. That is the reason why we love songs which exalt God, right? You know, even in our church, what actually touches our hearts genuinely are worship numbers or songs which exalt God. It's not about me, <laughs> Jesus. All about you. All about you. All about you. Not I did. I did not do this for anybody. No approval. You can never hold an audience. Let me tell you, this is so important. The anointing is some is that one one thing which arrests people. It's not your eloquence. That is the reason why Paul says, when I came to you, I determined not to know anything among you except from Christ and him crucified, so that your faith should not stand in the eloquence and the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Understand that? Sacrifice of praise, that is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. What he has done for me. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. Right? Yahweh Ire. Yahweh Shalom. Yahweh Siddhakeno. Yahweh Makke. That's the best. <laughs> the God who strikes. <laughs> Yahweh Makke. It's all about Him. It's all, all about Him. I tell this because if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 41, verses 15 to 16. These are the, these are people with exceptional character. You think about it, no? If we had a character like Joseph and Daniel, how proud would we, we, we would become? Boy, you fellows, good for nothing compromises is what will what our heart will say every time. We look at others. That is the reason why God puts us nicely into situations, and uh, and then we are absolutely sure that we are not Joseph and Daniel. <laughs> okay, oh, Lord, have mercy upon us. Okay, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, "I have a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it is said of you." That you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered and said, it is not in me. Finished. It is not in me. And if you trust in me, <laughs> that means, that's what he says. Happy is the man. So cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. And whose heart departs from the Lord. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Or rather the complete answer. See, otherwise, you will never be able to hold and accomplish what God has entrusted into your hands. You will never be able to. If it is about you, and if you, you may be having a calling in your life, but until and unless you come to a point regularly in your life, in your point, in your life where you say, Lord, it is not about me, it is about you, you will never be able to fulfill and accomplish God's purpose in your life. For example, if you turn with me to Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, verse 23 to 25. Look at this. This is this is a nuance which is not available in any of the uh, exegesis or the hermeneutics and the commentaries of, of a, a, any other person, even in the Bible, except the first martyr. Now when he was 40 years old. Who was this person? Moses. It came into his heart to visit his brethren and the children of Israel. Oh, what a noble task. What is he? He was learned in all the wisdom and the and the uh, what is it? might of the Egyptians. 
wisdom and the ways of the Egyptians. Mighty in word, mighty in deed. Kya baat hai? And Moses was, okay. And no, yeah, exactly. You can put them together actually. Yeah? We'll read that together maybe. It'll be interesting. So that you can see the contrast, right? It's what we call as a fortiori logic. <laughs> you see the contrast and you will see what is going on over here. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Okay, that means he has all the credentials. That means his resume will be acceptable in every worldly university and company. Whatever companies were available those days. Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers. What a noble task. The children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him. He was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. Why? Look at this verse 23. Verse 25. For he supposed, ah, what did he suppose? That his brethren would have understood that God would have would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. That's it. Good. Serves you right, you fellow. Full of wisdom. <laughs> Look at my credentials. I am the man who's going to bring you deliverance. Who else can do it? I got all the technical knowledge and the, the skills in the army, I'm the commander, etc., etc., etc. Remember those, that movie, the, the Ten Commandments? You won so many uh, victories and battles, etc. Nefratri gets really excited. Nefratri, right? <laughs> you didn't see it. Good, good children. <laughs> and the dum dum over here. Okay, I loved that movie, especially for the dialogues. Okay, the dialogues are heavy. Cecil DeMille, right? Cecil DeMille, right? Boy, what dialogues! Dialogues are heavy, heavy, heavy dialogues. Especially when he's walking through the wilderness to Jethro's house. Oh boy! When you just listen to those dialogues, you'll have tears in your eyes. It can just move, <laughs> move. The movie can move you. The movie literally moves you. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. So he understood. He thought that they will understand, but they, in other words, he was trying to hold an audience. I, I, I'm the deliverer. The anointing is upon me. They all left <laughs> nicely, one after the other. <laughs> I like that. Interesting. Okay. So only when you exult in God. After that, it's all about God, God. Until the point he confesses, I'm a man of what lips? Uncircumcised lips. Till he surrenders his lips to God. Till that point, God waits. That is in Exodus chapter 6. If you go to the entire narrative. I can put it there. So, uncircumcised. What is circumcised lips? Lips which only exult in God. Forgot to put that. Uncircumcised lips. Is Exodus chapter 6, right? If you can put it. 6? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moses spoke before the Lord saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of Uncircumcised lips. Oh, no, 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 Moses, uh, don't say like that. God will say, great, yes, your lips are uncircumcised. Now your lips will go, are going to become circumcised. Means what is circumcised lips? Those lips which only belong to God. Circumcised ears means those ears which only belong. They are separated from the world and separated unto God. And when I open the mouth, I'm going to only speak what God wants me to speak. That is circumcised lips. Understood that everybody? Exodus chapter 6 verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Alright. So what are you exulting in today? What is your what is your boasting? Paul has a secret. Second Corinthians chapter 12. 
verse 9 to 10. Hmm? He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast where? In my infirmities, not in my accomplishments. How much I have to resist? Google me. Those who got the message. <laughs> Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What will rest upon me? The power of Christ should rest upon me. I, you remember the prayer of Jabez? What is the prayer of Jabez? Lord, that you would bless me. That you would enlarge my territory. That your hand be upon me. That is the power of God that will rest upon me. Okay, thank you so much. You bless me, enlarge my territory. Your hand would be upon me. Keep me from the power of the evil one. That I will not cause pain, but only a blessing. You can pray this prayer every day, okay? It's a good prayer to pray. Nice prayer to pray. All right. So let's go back to the next one. Philippians chapter oh, sorry, 3 verse 3. Hmm? For we are circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence. And therefore what God has to keep on doing in our lives regularly. I remember in one of the pastor's conferences, pastor was telling all the pastors, he said, you know you're in the hands of God when you're being repeatedly being humbled by God. I like that statement. <laughs> what is happening to you? You're repeatedly coming back to ground zero. Slowly you're going, you should become zero. Like I like that uh, uh, that example that Zach Poonan gives, no? What are you? A great preacher. What are you? Zero. Hmm? Very intelligent fellow. Zero. All zeros together. Hundred zeros. What will the value be? Zeros. And then comes God. Remember that example? What an example that is. Yeah. Without me you are not just, you can do nothing, you are nothing. There's a lot of difference. <laughs> you are nothing. You are a big zero. Therefore, he tells Gideon, Judges chapter 7, verses 2 to 3. Okay, can you put it in a message? Like it in a message, you know. Okay. <clears throat> chapter 7. 2 to 3, yeah. God said to Dian, you have too large an army with you. I can't turn Midian over to them like this. They'll take all the credit. Saying, I did it all myself. And they'll forget about me. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is how we are, right? You get one success in your life, you take all the credit. That is the reason why it says, cursed is a man who trusts in man, who makes flesh his strength and whose Ha! Heart departs. The moment you take the credit, God has gone out of the window. Oh, I did it. I did it. I did it. Few days you will exult. After that, there was something there. A unique idea. Nice thought. Fantastic thought. Nothing. Then he says, God said to Gideon, you have too large an army with you. You can't, I can't turn Midian over to them like this. They'll take all the credit saying, I did it all myself. And 
forget about me make a public announcement anyone afraid anyone who has any qualms at all mainly <laughs> Eugene Peterson is fantastic okay he's inspired by the holy spirit only when he wrote the <laughs> well, this bible i think okay anyone afraid anyone afraid anyone who has any qualms at all may leave mount gilead now and go home so 22000 companies headed home why not because they were afraid only they also wanted the ah they wanted credit hey we came and volunteered ba so many fellows didn't volunteer we came and volunteered come on our hand was there you want the credit please go <laughs> ultimately how many people are left 300 these are the people in which there was not even an ounce of anything which was left in them to take credit how can 300 put 1000 of light that's what it says no how can one put 1000 of light and two put 10000 of light unless the lord was with you first and their rock deserted them nada acha na solra okay so no confidence in the flesh deuteronomy chapter 9 Verses five to six. No, it's nothing that you have done. No record of decency that you have built up, that you got here. No record of. I will put it in MSG. It's nice. No record of decency that you have built up, that you got here. It is because of the wild wickedness of these nations that God, your God, is dispossessing them before you, so that you can keep His promised word to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that He can keep His promised word, and that. know this and don't ever forget know this and don't ever forget it's not because of any good that you have done that god is giving you this good land to own anything but you're stubborn as mules mules are supposed to be the most stubborn animals hmm? you can not break it in other words a fellow is so stubborn Okay, understand that. All right, let's go to the next one. So first, we are the circumcision who worship God. Now, second point of the stock of Israel. What stock, Baba? Israel. Which stock? In other words, which batch of IPS did you graduate from? Batch of so and so. Batch of so and so. Because every batch has got some glory. Ah, your batch. Ah, the competition was not that great. Or my batch. Great competition. look at that let's go back no circumcise the eighth day of the stock of israel not any other stock but you know what god is saying there is only one israel i'll show you what is that israel is but first first let us let us let us eliminate all the other israel okay go to romans chapter 9 verses 6 to 7 okay all the other israel has to be eliminated but it is not that the word of god has taken no effect for they are not all israel who are of israel Don't say we have Abraham as our father. We are we have never been slaves to anybody. And what does Jesus say? He who sins is a slave of sin, and slave will not abide in the house forever. Only the son does. And if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. You are a slave of sin. You don't even realize that. Not are they all children because they are of the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac shall your seed be called. So first thing, as I said, first it's all to the born again. okay second what is this therefore who is a true israelite 
genuine israelite if if you have to boast about i am of the stock of israel what should you boast about john's gospel chapter 1 verse 48 onwards you know this very well right nathaniel said to him how do you know me jesus oh. previous verse please verses 46 onwards 46 onwards hmm? nathaniel said to him can anything good come out of nazareth philip said to him come and see Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him behold an israelite one indeed in whom there is no deceit so who is an israelite who is a genuine of the stock of israel if you have to boast a person in whose lips or in his personality there is no guile or deception at all who is this fellow this is a fellow who has contended with men and with god how did he contend with god by seeing god how penuel means what i he saw the face of god i mean god saw through him and asked him every secret thing that he did not is it yeah what's your name jacob sir jacob I am this. That is the reason why I like genuine people. No, when they come and tell you a face, this is what you are. I love. I love it. I like to, <laughs> you know, really have a conversation with them. They'll just come and tell you, tell your face, Vijay. Okay. I. That's what it says. No, better is a wound of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Wounds of a friend are good. Okay. Jesus said, "Behold, an Israelite, that in whom there is no." kyle or deceit who is true israel a person in whom there is no deceit everything else it could be having an appearance of good but absolutely no reality inside that is the reason why he says in the last days many will have what an appearance of godliness but inside they have no power no power it's a answer of a clear conscience towards god it says in first peter chapter 3 it's an answer of a clear conscience it is not the clearing of the flesh or the cleansing of the flesh it is an answer of a clear conscience or a good conscience with god that is baptism right there is a reason why psalm 32 our favorite psalm verses 1 to 6 we can read it maybe 1 to 5 blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered whose sin is covered by whom by somebody else <laughs> not by him okay. you know there are two meanings for this covered means paid in full how much is your fees uh, i think it's about uh, $2000 will 2.5 lakhs cover it ah, more than sufficient yeah that is what it means what it means covered cover meanings paid that is the person who's really blessed okay so bible has a total different meaning about blessedness blessed is the man in whom to whom the lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile you see again it's an attitude attitude which is guileless when i kept silent how do you know you are uh, without guile when i kept silence silent chappudiyakunda nothing nothing happened nothing nothing no everything is fine एवरीथिंग बाहर पूरा अच्छा है पूरा टूथ पॉलिश है अंदर क्या है 
That is what we call as Ahitophel. Son, brother of folly. What is folly? Mortar. A whitewashed grave. What are you inside? Full of dead man's bones and uncleanness. Nothing happened. And what happened? My bones, my bones grew old, it says. Suddenly, when he kept his silent, silence, what happened? His age increased. That scares me, okay? Because you want to maintain that vigor for a long time. I mean, let's, why, why do we, why do we go to gym and all these things? To stay fit. Suddenly, this fellow is not able to lift up the weights anymore. Before sinning, he was full of weights. Now he sinned and he's keeping silent. Now he's trying to lift up the weights. Everything is full and heavy. My goodness, I've become old. Right? Through my groaning all the day long. Nothing, nothing happened. That's what exactly happened to him with Bathsheba. Nothing happened. Everything fine. Everybody is happy about David. The way he has taken a widow's wife. I'm sorry, uh, martyr's wife. Uh, friend's widow, right? The widow of a friend now. To himself. What and then, verse 5, verse 4, for day and your night, what was, that? <laughs> was heavy upon me? Your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Kya baat hai? Summer is coming and we know exactly what it means. Selah. Then I acknowledged my sin. That is purity. That's the reason why he says, you brood of vipers, do not say Abraham is your father. Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. And everybody came into the waters of Jordan to be baptized. And how did they get baptized? What they had to do before they got baptized? Confess their sins. The Pharisees will not do it. I acknowledge my sin and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my translation to the Lord. And you forgave. The iniquity of my sin. Understand this. So that is what is Israel. Who is the stock of Israel? In whose spirit there is no God. That means whatever is thing is genuine. Before God you have to be genuine Baba. You can pretend before man. But you cannot pretend before God. And if you pretend before God. Your life will become a pretense. And that is something the worst that should ever happen to you. If there is no genuinity in our lives. You should not deserve that life. Because it is too difficult to pretend. That is the reason why all the actors are depressed. Because they try to be what they are not. Hmm? Psalm 73, verse 1. I love this. Who is the true Israel? Okay. Look at this, look at this, look at this. Everybody. 73, verse 1. Yeah, only one verse. Truly, God is good to Israel. Now, let us see. Who is Israel here? To such as are pure in heart. That is Israel. That is Israel. Okay. Who is Israel? A person who's got the purity. Meaning, there's absolutely no ill motive at all inside of your heart. Even if there is ill motive, you'll speak it out. This is my motive. Hmm? Titus chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. I love this verse very well. Hmm? Look at these verses. Okay. Titus chapter 1. To the pure, all things are pure. <laughs> I like that, no? To the pure, all things are pure. Meaning, if you are pure, when you are looking at other people, you never have, oh, why is he doing this to me? Maybe, why is he so good to me? Maybe he has got some ulterior motive. That is the reason why he is good to me. 
Something is wrong here. Dal mein kuch kala hai. Why is he so good now? Like for example, when Emmanuel comes, Daddy, I love you. Can I give you a massage? I'll say, how much money do you want? <laughs> what do you want? Come on, speak it out. Right? Because you are also like that. Why do you go to God? God, I love you. God, I love you. I'll serve you. What do you want, Vijay? <laughs> what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, I like that. They are defiled and they are unbelieving. Nothing is pure, but even their minds and their conscience is defiled. And then he defines us. Who are they? They profess to know God. That means they have an outward form of godliness. But in works they deny him. They are abominable. And you say, I'm not not abominable. Homosexuality is an abomination to God. I am not an homosexual. Disqualified for every work. You say, boss, I'm not disqualified. I do a lot of good works. But the third, the most important thing, the central thing which holds these two together is what? Disobedient. Are you obedient or disobedient? I, I, I tell you, the word in Greek is fantastic. The word for disobedient is a person who cannot be persuaded. He is unchangeable and you cannot teach him at all. He's unteachable. You cannot be persuaded. But what does it say? The words of the words of the wise are like are like goats. What watch that? What do they do? They spur you into action. This fellow is not a ox. He's a donkey. Okay. If you go to a donkey, it'll kick you and it'll run because it's got three sixty vision. The moment it sees the, I mean, you know that don- donkeys have three sixty vision, right? We only have, I think, uh, 120 only. No, uh, what, Dr. Jit, what do you say? 180 also we don't have. That's it. This fellow can go like this and see what is coming from behind. He doesn't need a rear view mirror. No blind spot at all. The moment it sees the goat coming, it will take the leg and give you one shot. Horses and donkeys have. So what do they do for the horses? You know what they do? And they put blinders. Yeah, I know you have a fantastic rear view. Please, put blinders and focus. They are disobedient. Disqualified for every good work. So, Israel is a person who is obedient. And how is he obedient? He is obedient from the heart. Okay, that is what you say. The most lovable verse that I have in the... I mean, my most favorite verse in the entire book of Romans is this. Romans chapter 6. Yes, Dr. Richard, he knows that verse very well. 16, 17. And verse 18. 16, 17, 18. Do you not know that to whom you present your sla- yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether to of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were once slaves of sin, you obeyed from where? From the heart. That form of doctrine to which you were delivered and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. This is a true Israelite. An Israelite is a person who obeys God implicitly. Okay, of the stock of Israel. So you're just not satisfied with your pedigree, you're satisfied with your spiritual pedigree. Mm-hmm. Understand, everybody? Okay. And then let's go to the next thing. Quickly. 
four more things and we can stop quickly. We can just finish this part today. Um, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now this is interesting. Why is the specifics? Turn with me to Judges chapter 1, verse 21. You know that when Israel, Israel got divided during the time of Rehoboam, who joined Judah? Benjamin joined Judah, okay? But something very interesting is there. I mentioned. But the children of Benjamin did not drive the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem. So the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. So Jerusalem belongs to who? Ah, to Benjamin. Huh? Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. This is chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. I'll tell you what this means. <clears throat> Romans chapter 9. Uh, excuse me, just a minute please. Romans chapter 9 and verse uh, 3. Yeah, verse 3 onwards. 3 to 5. Okay, verses 4 onwards. Just enough. Verse, verse 4 onwards. Okay, 4 onwards. Okay. Who are Israelites? To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises, of whom are the fathers, whom according to the flesh Christ came, who is overall the eternal blessed God. Amen. So, what is Jerusalem? Jerusalem means what? Teaching. Which brings peace. So you have it all. You have everything. But are you believing? No. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 7. 1 to 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 10, verses 1 to 7. Moreover, brothers, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ and verse, but with verse 5, but with most of them, God was not pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And why was God not pleased? Because they were disobedient. They were unbelieving. So who is a true Benjamite? Son of my right hand. Who is a Benjamite? Who is like Jesus, literally. Who is obedient again, genuinely. Who just doesn't hold the Bible in his hand. Who has a Bible in his heart. Turn to Psalm 40, verses 5, 6 and 7. Psalm 40, verses 5, 6 and 7. Mm. Yeah, verse 6 actually, verse 6 and 7. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you do not require. In verse 7, then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book that is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. And your law is within my heart. It is there, right there inside of my heart. Okay. So he, that is a, who's a Benjamin? He is a person who just doesn't have the law there. He has got the law written in his heart. In other words, he doesn't just know the letter of the law. He obeys the spirit of the law. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 verses 5 and 6 if you, if you will. Romans chapter 7 verses 5 and 6. Hmm? 
for when we were in the flesh, you see that? When we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which are aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to that which are, uh, to what we were held by, so that we should, again, serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Right? And what does that mean? You are a person who, who really understands the heart of God and you obey. That is the son of the right hand. Who is the son of right hand? God is, Jesus himself is the son of right hand. And what did he do? He accomplished the heart of God. Not just the word of God. The, his will was to do God's will and he fulfilled all that was in God's heart. If you turn with me to Second Samuel chapter 23, verses 14 to 17. 14 to 17. Look at this. One challenge. David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing... Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. That was, who said to who? I think he was said, oh man, one cup of water from that well in Bethlehem. Who heard it? Everybody heard. But three responded. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines. They risked their lives. They drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it. But pour it out to the Lord. And exactly what Paul says, right? My life is being poured out. That's a Benjamite. Benjamite. Two Benjamin. Life is being poured out. That's a drink offering. He holds nothing back. A person of the extra mile. That is a true Benjamite. Then let's go back. Philippians chapter 3. Quickly. A, f- a couple of more things and we'll finish this. Hebrew of Hebrews. <laughs> like that. Hebrew of Hebrews. Just not Hebrew. Just not Hebrew. He is the Hebrew of his creme de la creme. Okay. What, who is a Hebrew therefore? Is important. So those days when you are talking about Hebrew of Hebrews, those people were so strict, they would never touch the Gentiles. And after becoming believers also, they would never go to a Gentile's house. That is what a Hebrew was. Hebrew means a person who never touches the Gentile. That is their definition. What is, what is a Hebrew? The person who Crossed the river. You crossed over the river. You are a, Abraham was the first Hebrew. Why was he the first Hebrew? Because he crossed over the river. He was serving idols on the other side of the river and the God of glory appeared to him and he left all that and he followed, and he was following God. So therefore, who's a Hebrew? Genuinely, who's a Hebrew? First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 now. For though I am free from all men, I made my servant, myself a servant to all that I might Win the more. Look at this. And to, to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews. So it means when he goes to the Jews' house, he eats only kosher. Okay. Completely kosher. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Beautiful. To those who are without the law, as without the law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might be by all means save some. That was the intent. What is a genuine Hebrew? His intention is to save others, like the first Hebrew. Genesis chapter 14, verses 13 to 14. Genesis chapter 13, verses 13 to 14. Then one who had escaped came and told Abraham the 
Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth tree of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, the brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abraham. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, what did he do? He armed his 318 trained soldiers who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as that. What did he do? He was, he became like them to save. The intention is to what? To save. A genuine Hebrew of all the Hebrews has the intention of saving others. Okay? Understand that. And let's go back now. As, con- as concerning the law, a Pharisee. Chabat. We'll just mention it passingly. We'll not go into details because that's going to take another total different study. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. He talks about this, right? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay the tithe and mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the are you are as concerning the law, you're a Pharisee, but who's a genuine Pharisee? Hmm? Weightier matters of the law. What are the weightier matters of the law? Justice. Second, mercy. Mercy without justice, no. That's what it says. Mercy triumphs over justice. And who the person who shows justice without mercy will himself will not show be show, shown mercy. You know how you actually show justice to others? What is justice? To be fair. What is how do you be fair to others? Just like God was with you, you treat others. How was God with you? Merciful. These you ought to have done without leaving the others. Justice, mercy and faith. That is the weightier matters of the law. Micah chapter 6 verses 7 to 8. Micah chapter 6 verses 7 to 8 and we will we will uh, stop. Maybe and Just two more things and we will stop. Will the Lord be pleased with 10,000 of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my moon for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly. To just not show mercy. There's a lot of difference. To show mercy, it is to love mercy. Okay, Don't be like Shimei. People have run away from your house. To love, to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. You can meditate upon that sometime later in more detail. Then sec- sixth one. As zeal. <laughs> his zeal was what? What is he doing in his zeal? Persecuting the church. <laughs> what is genuine zeal? It's not persecuting your brothers. It is dying for your brothers. Okay. First, look at the life of Paul. <clears throat> He was persecuted to the church. After he becomes genuinely converted, what does he do now? Second Corinthians chapter 11. Look at his zeal now. And verse 2 onwards. Look at his zeal. Hmm? I am zealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now look at his life. How it has changed from a person who is persecuting the church. Now he's giving his entire life for the church. That is zeal. You have zeal without knowledge. And this is zeal with knowledge. Finally, seventh. As righteousness concerning the law, blameless. But now what is true blamelessness? In the sight of God, you should be blameless. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3 to 5. We'll stop. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 to 5. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by human court. In fact, I do not even judge my own self. For I know nothing against myself. Yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Unless the Lord says you are blameless, I am not blameless. I know. 
I'm nothing against him. All known sin, I've confessed. But that still doesn't mean that I'm justified. It's God who justifies me. This is what it means to have no confidence in the flesh. There are so many good things in our lives. And we there's a very subtle variation, right? And God has to open our eyes, especially when we do certain things for the approval of men. So that's what he says. If you are approval of, if you are servants of men, you should not become the servants of Christ. Hmm? Let's pray this this morning. Let God continue to do a deeper work inside of our hearts, <clears throat> a work <clears throat> that will truly be a life of true, genuine worship from the Spirit, a life which is saturated with. Praise and exaltation and boasting about what God has done for us, primarily. A life which is saturated with boasting. This is what God has done for me. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Father, this morning, so many, so much of boasting in our lives, so Lord. So much of seeking after the so-called good things of the flesh. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would bring us all to the end of ourselves. That we will see in us that is there's nothing good. Like Paul, we will say, Lord, I know that is in my flesh dwells nothing good. So that Lord, you can begin to do a work in our lives. Continue to rot, O oh Lord Father, that work in our lives. The work of the Spirit. You would circumcise our hearts so that we will love you with all of our heart, with all of our strength and with all of our mind. Thank you, Father. Commit all of us into your hands. Continue to work in our lives, Lord Jesus. Continue to work, O Lord Father. Continue to keep bringing us to the points where we'll say, I have no confidence in my own self. My boasting and my confidence is in God and God alone. The way you brought Israel repeatedly in all their wilderness journeys, O Lord. You brought them to the end of themselves in every situation where they could not change any of their situations by in their own strength, O Father. It was an impossibility, O Lord. You regularly brought them to those points, O Lord Jesus. Like the way you brought Paul Every time you brought him to those to those situations in life where he would say, even I despaired of life so that I would not trust in myself, but in God who raises from the dead, raises people from the dead. Oh Jesus, I pray, Father, that you would rot that or a, a work in us, a continuous work in us, O Lord, that we will truly be genuine people who have genuine humility and not feigned humility, O Lord. We thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.